0: Turn your Bibles to Hebrews, chapter five. We'll start with verse one. Now, last week we were in Hebrews chapter four, and the way Hebrews chapter four ended was basically um, the writer talking about Jesus being uh, a high priest. A high priest. He kind of he said he's a high priest that can understand us because. He, too, was tempted. He, too, had flesh. He, too, was very much like us. Jesus was. He was human, yet God. But he was without sin. So he was, just like we read in earlier places in Hebrews, earlier chapters, that he was greater than angels. He was greater than Moses. Here the writer tries to help the Hebrew nation, the Hebrew people, understand that he is greater than the high priest, the ironic high priest, and that's kind of where this chapter uh, uh, kind of you know begins where chapter four ended. The writer then continues to explain about Jesus being uh, the eternal priest, the eternal priesthood of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Father, I pray that every Every word spoken and every word that I speak would be um, led by your Spirit, that I may only speak that which the Spirit uh, chooses to speak. And, Father, that every ear and every heart would hear, be changed, transformed, and conformed to Jesus Christ. I pray for revelation where it's needed, and I pray for change where it's needed. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So we are in chapter 5, beginning with verse 1. Verse 1 reads, For every high priest takes from among men, is appointed for men and things pertaining to God, that he may both, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. You know, it reads in the first part of verse 1, for every high priest Taken from among men is appointed for men and things pertaining to God. The office of the priest, priesthood, the Aaronic priesthood, because we know that Aaron was from the tribe of Levi, and God assigned the tribe of Levi to be the priests within the temple. And and Levi had three sons, and those three sons, God appointed specific. Uh, responsibilities and, du- and duties to each son. And that lineage carried on those duties. So the high priest then was established by God. And who, who is it that controls who was born and when they're born, what they do with their life, what they do in their life? God. So the appointment of the high priest, the Aaronic high priest, was appointed and established by God. It was Aaron's uh, ancestors from that point on. The the Levites would be high priests in the nation. So they're appointed for men by by God. They're from the uh, tribe of Levi, and we know that the bloodline is from Aaron, and we know that Aaron is uh, Moses' brother, right? Um, Now, it's interesting because when Jesus came on the scene, what we actually find is that The priest that was residing as the high priest at the time was not assigned by God. He was not in the line uh, of Aaron, nor of the tribe of Levi. He was there appointed by the Roman government. So God was obviously very upset with this because it's God who appoints the high priest. And the responsibilities And the appointment of a high priest is very important. Why? Because God has chosen who will be the mediator between the nation of Israel and him. Who will be the mediator between God and the nation? The people, the Jews. God appointed it. So Jesus comes on the scene on the planet when there is truly no high priest. Because the one that's there is not there by appointment of God. He's there by appointment of the Roman government. So we can begin to see why Jesus would say this temple is supposed to be a house of prayer, yet you have turned it into a den of thieves. Because what kind of man would the Roman government put in there than a man other than a man that only had the interest of the Roman government? And along with governments, and I love the United States, I served my country for many years, I love, I'm not putting my government down, but here's the truth and reality of governments, they're all corrupt. Some are just corrupt a little bit more than others. And I, I, I'll, I'll tell you, I, I'm, I'm, I feel blessed to be an American. I wasn't born here, I was born in Mexico. My God, my, my, my God brought me here, my father brought me here legally. I wasn't brought here illegally. My dad was a man of integrity. He did things in order. And I feel blessed to be a citizen of this nation. I became a citizen. I served my country. And I've been to many other countries. When I come back, I literally felt like kissing the ground of the United States because we have so much freedom. And we take it for granted here. Every time I would come from another country where you just see the control and the lack of freedom and you, and you come back, you, you feel like you can breathe when you come to this country. So, so I'm not putting down the United States, but the reality is governments are corrupt. And I, I can honestly say I don't take sides with Democrats and I don't take sides with Republicans because in my opinion, they're all corrupt anyway. Why? Because they're, they're simple men. On one one side, maybe I I agree more with the other, but I, I don't represent a political party, right? I represent Jesus Christ. So yes, there was when Jesus showed up on the scene, there was corruption in the temple. And the Jews were having a hard time of letting go of the tradition of having to go to the temple and offer sacrifices for their sin. And what this writer is going to try to communicate and convey is that when Jesus died, sacrifices were done away with once and for all because he is the perfect sacrifice. He's without sin. He's without blemish. And he represents us to the Father. He is our mediator. And we can go boldly to the throne of God because of what he's done for us and through us. But more importantly, when we go to God... In our prayer, in our prayer closet, you know who is there standing with you as you pray to the Father? It's Jesus. He's there. He's your mediator. He's your representative. He is our high priest. Um, Let's go on to verse 2. He can have compassion on those who are ignorant and going astray. Now this, he is talking about Jesus, right? He can have, or or no, I'm sorry. He's still talking about the high priest because the high priest did need to have compassion. So he can have compassion on those who are ignorant and going astray since he himself is also subject to weakness. A high priest had to have compassion on the people uh, you know, the, the and we're not talking about Jesus at this point. The writer is still talking about the Levitical priest, the ironic priesthood, that representative from from that family line, was a man of compassion. Now I understand that in the Greek, compassion is more than just like feeling sorry for people. It's being empathic. It is putting yourself in their shoes and understanding them. Be empathic. I know what you feel. I know what you're going through. And also being sympathetic. Why? Because he too was, was, had a weakness. He was weak. He was a sinner. And because of this weakness and understanding, he can have compassion for the nation. So the verse 2 tells us that the high priest had compassion on those who are ignorant and going astray. In other words, he didn't see himself as superior, but rather just like the rest that come to him, um, to be a representative before God as they offered their sacrifices. Since, since he himself was also subject to weakness. So in other words, he also too uh, struggled with sin. He too was a sinner, the high priest. Verse 3, because of this, he is required as for the people, so also for himself to offer sacrifices for sins. Verse 3 The high priest uh, on the day of of atonement, Yom Yom Kippur, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. But on the day of atonement, once a year, the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies and make sacrifices first for himself and go through many cleansings, ritual cleansings, and, and also make sacrifices to get right before God. Before he went in there to ask God for forgiveness of the nation of Israel. So the high priest, before he went in uh, to approach God in the temple. Now we all understand that the temple is a representation of what heaven is like. The mercy seat and the angels on, on each side of the mercy seat. So we get a kind of a model or a representation of what heaven is like. But this high priest, before he could go in there, would have to make sure he purified himself, offered the correct sacrifices so that he would be presentable, acceptable to God. They said that the high priest, when he went in, they would tie a rope to his, to his foot. Uh, should he not be in, in, in a proper condition or state to go before God? Because the power of God would drop him. I mean, he, he, would, he would just die because he wasn't presentable before God. So what would happen if he died before the mercy seat in the temple? They wouldn't dare go in there because they would all fall dead too before the presence of a holy God. So they would take the rope and pull him out and say, okay, who's our next high priest? <laughs> so prob- uh, the high priest was probably not a position that was very well sought after. It was not something that people you know, volunteered to say, I want to do that, right? Because you'd have to go before God and God would not accept you being unprepared or in a proper method or, or proper repentance before him. Well, God truly seeks is humility and to acknowledge one's sin and to be right before him, ask for forgiveness. And as the high priest did this, he was able to stand before God in proper fashion and proper method, right? So then we read on... In verse 4, and no man takes this honor to himself. So it's not something any man said, hey, I think one day I'm, I think I'm going to grow up and be a high priest. No, this was an appointment that God established, and it was through birthright. I wonder how many people are actually happy to be Levites, right? <laughs> uh, because it was, it was a serious task. Okay, am I, am I totally prepared or is God going to strike me down? But yet, truly, we're, st- we're still in the same boat. Can I go before a, a righteous God? Am-, am I right with Jesus? You know, we're-, we're still in the same place. But our high priest forgives us and shows us, us so that we can be forgiven and approach God. It said when a man does not follow the law, in Proverbs, a man does not follow the law, his prayers will not be answered. So it's a very serious thing. What is God saying? You can't come before me pretending and acting like when you're not. You haven't asked me for forgiveness for this issue or that issue. So what happens? He can't hear your, your prayers are not heard because you're not coming before him in a proper manner. And no man takes his honor to himself, but he who was called by God, just as Aaron was called. So we know that every high priest then was called by God because he ordained that individual to be born to be a priest, to, to represent the people before before him. So it's not something that you could go to high priest university and become a high priest. It's something that God did. It's something that God established. Let's go on to verse 5, and here we get into uh, Jesus being our high priest. It says, so also Christ did not glorify himself to become a high priest. But it was he who said to him, you are my son today, I've begotten you. In other words, Jesus did not uh, go out and say, okay, I think today I'm going to become a high priest. I think I like doing that job. No, God said today you are begotten of me. You're my son, and I have plans for you, and you are going to be now the high priest between the people and me. This, this, This was not something that Jesus planned. This was something that God established. It was his plan. And it was his plan to reconcile, redeem us all back to him. Why? Because we're, we're all, thanks to Adam, and Eve had a little bit something to do with that too. But thanks to them, we're, we're all born with a sin nature because of the original human beings. Our original parents, if you will, all go back to, to Adam and Eve. If you really think about it, that's why we're all brothers and sisters, right? We all come from Adam and Eve. They're they're our first parents. Genealogically? I don't know if that sounds right. But yes, we are, through genetics, they are our parents. right? Um, Let's go on to verse 6. As he also says in another place, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Interesting, you are a priest forever. Jesus is the high priest forever, but not just for the nation of Israel, but all mankind, that all mankind may be reconciled back to the Father. So Jesus is the eternal high priest, but more importantly, the writer is making this point to the nation of Israel, yet it is good revelation for us because he's our high priest not just the high priests of Israel, but our high priest as well. Now, what makes him different from the priests that served in the temple is that they served in a model of heaven where Jesus serves God and mediates between us in heaven. There is, there is the gigantic difference. Jesus is in heaven as our mediator before God. Verse 6. As he also says in another place, you are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. Now, Melchizedek was a king of Salem. Nobody knows uh, who his parents were, his genealogy, but he offered sacrifices and Abraham paid tithes to him. And he was a high priest of the most holy God. He was king of Salem. So this was before Aaron and the Aaronic priesthood. There was a priest that served God. So he's not, so what the writer's saying, he's not in the order of Aaron, where you have, it is by your birthright that you become a high priest. He's in the order of Melchizedek, in other words, God appointed him, but appointed him to be an eternal priest. So what the writer is trying to convey to the Israelites is Get away from your traditions. Get away from the draw of the temple. Get away from the sacrifices because one sacrifice has been done once and for all. And stay in Jesus. Don't get caught up in religion and don't get caught up in tradition. God has a better plan, something that's greater. What did God say? That he, he delights more in obedience than he does in sacrifices, right? So this... This is where he led us to in Christ, that now we can live in obedience through Christ as Christ lives in us. Verse 7, and I'm going to be reading uh, verse 7 and 8. Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, and was heard because of his godly fear. Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. Now, it's interesting, verse 7 and 8. This is obviously speaking of the time when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and, and there he said to God, to the Father, take this cup from me. If it is all possible, take this cup from me. Is there another way we can you know do this? Save mankind. Take this from me. But Jesus said not my will but your will be done. So he was obedient to the will of God. He was obedient. He wasn't concerned about what he wanted but more concerned about what God wanted. And it was in this time that Jesus then was taken. we know the story, through judgment before um, Pilate and was crucified and so forth and so on. But it was at this point on the cross that we received salvation because of the sacrifice on the cross. And he learned through suffering, the scripture says. Now, often, too often, and, and here I'm not going to preach, I'm not going to name preachers' names, but I'm not going to preach. This is to live your best life today. Because let's be honest, Jesus um, knew what his destination was—that he was going to go to the cross and he was going to die for us. But I believe what the motivating factor of Jesus was for each and every one of us is love. He loved us so much that he was willing to be obedient that we might have eternal life through him and be with the be with the Father. Garden of Gethsemane. But the thing is, in our lives, not everything is is great what happens when we become a christian what happens god will send many trials to perfect us and what comes with trials suffering but what comes with suffering perfection and perfection means completeness being complete in Christ. In other words, that's part of God's job, is to bring you into the image of Jesus Christ through trials that you may have in life. Because what happens when we become a Christian? Some people whom we thought were our friends are no longer our our friends. And the ones who are true friends, even if you're a Christian, they'll stay a friend. And the ones that leave is because they don't like the light. They don't like the light exposing them or... Or, or they're uncomfortable with the holiness, the Holy Spirit that's in you. But sometimes this brings hurt right into our hearts when we're, we, even by family members. What did Jesus said, I did not come to bring peace unto the earth, but a sword, mother against daughter, son against father. Why? Because God, when God dwells through Christ in, in the heart of the Christian, it brings um, conflict within families, within friends, and within your workplace, wherever you are. And this is suffering. I don't like conflict in my, in my household, in my family, but because, because we become Christians, that may happen. And that brings about suffering, but it also brings out a work of God in you and in your heart and hopefully for your loved ones so that they would, would make a choice follow Christ. Um, So yeah, the suffering of Jesus Christ. Paul used to count it a, a blessing to suffer as Christ did because he was being matured. He was being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Not many people, not many ministers will preach this, but it's reality. It's truth. When we become Christians, And it's not just a a social club, but it is a family. It is a house of God. It is the body of Christ. When we have that perspective, it's it's a little different. But that's the reality of it. Your best life today, no, our best life is in eternity. And we serve God while we're in this life. The next life is our best life that's coming. Now, Yes, we can have, don't get me wrong, we, we can have a blessed life if you stay focused in Christ even today, embracing the suffering, the challenges that God brings in our life, identifying with Christ and moving on and maturing. Then we have a good life, but the best life is, is the next life with Christ. Verse 10 Oh, I skipped one. Verse 9. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey. And having been perfected, Uh, perfected, the Greek word uh, means to complete or to bring a goal to achievement. Jesus' work on the cross was completed. So his work was completed. He was perfected. And he became the author of salvation. Verse ten, God, uh, called by God as high priest according to the order of Melchizedek, and we already we already talked about that. And where verse five uh, or chapter five and chapter seven, it gets more. If if you're interested more about Melchizedek, there's more information there about Melchizedek. So I'm not going to talk a whole lot about Melchizedek, because that comes later in Hebrews. Um, But yes, he came in the order of Melchizedek, not in the order uh, of Aaron. Verse 11, "Um, whom we have much to say and hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. Because of the people's dull hearing, it became difficult to teach the people about Jesus. Dull hearing, Um, I looked up what that actually means in the Greek, dull dull of hearing. to become difficult to teach the people about Jesus. Dull of hearing, wanting to avoid activity or, ex- or exertion. Dull hearing means lazy. Uh, dull hearing means they were indolent and addicted to the life of pleasure. So, dull of hearing means basically what that means is you're more concerned about things of the world than you are of things of God. And then you, you naturally, your mind naturally turns tunes off. The things of God, and is more in tune with things of the world. So the the Hebrews were more in tune with their religious traditions and the priesthood uh, of of uh, the Aaronic priesthood, the temple. When this writer is trying to tell them, there's something better than religious tradition. There's something more powerful. There's something that's going to change you and your life, and you just don't go into a cycle of uh, uh, of sinning and and repentance and uh, sacrifice, and then it just repeats itself, right? And that's what was happening in the temple. It was just a repet- repetitive cycle. And Jesus came to break the cycle that we might be free from sin once and for all. Um, verse 12, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again. The first principles of the oracles of God And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, every follower of Jesus Christ should be able to teach uh, a new believer. Uh, uh, You know, we should all be examples to a new believer, right? If we don't, you know, we should be able to teach the word of God, discipleship, a new believer, who, who God is maybe, that person is, has been uh, drawn to you by the Holy Spirit, then the Holy Spirit has chosen that person. If they're coming to you, the Holy Spirit has chosen for that person to be discipled by you. Look, Pastor Joe and I and Steve and Felipe, we're only three or four people. We can't disciple everyone. Everyone has a responsibility in the body of Christ. But whoever whoever that one is that God, uh, the Holy Spirit, draws to you, you ought to be a teacher. You ought to be a teacher. You ought to share the true word of God. Because you know we learned earlier in Hebrews the true word of God is living and is powerful. But more importantly, they ought to see the example of your life. They ought to see. You know, if, you know, and this is, this is very true. If you really want to know a person, if you really, really want to know a person, just listen long enough. Because whatever's in the heart eventually come out through the mouth. That's why Jesus said, "It's not what you take in through the mouth that defiles you; it's what comes out." Because what comes out is an expression or reflection of what's really in your heart, right? Now, the thing, the reason why I point this out is because a new believer will hear you, but will also see the fruit. What fruit is there? Are your life lining up with the Word of God? Are your words lining up with the Word of God? Are you really reflecting an image of Christ, or are you in the flesh? More and more, and I'll be honest, just like Paul, everybody wrestles with the flesh. Why? Because we have it. It's here. (laughs) I have a new body that's coming, Okay, so we all struggle. This is not a guilt trip for anybody. We all struggle. But the good news is Jesus can help us overcome the struggles. The Holy Spirit can help us overcome the struggles. And we can be that example to that one that the Holy Spirit draws to you. Because pastor and I and the elders were few, and the Holy Spirit really wants to use everybody in the body everybody, because we're all part of Christ. We can all be an example and a teacher. So the, the, the writer here says, for though this time you ought to be teachers, for though this time you ought to be, so obviously they were not. Why? Because they were being caught up in tra- the traditions the religions, the, uh, of the religions, the traditions of the religion of Judaism that were caught up in that. And so they, 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 they would get lost in it so more important than listening to a religious man or or being focused on tradition li- listening to any minister listen to the word of god listen to the holy spirit because that's where the work that's where the worker that's going to work in your heart that's the one that's going to make the changes the changes though you ought to be teachers basically saying you're not because you're getting caught up in religion and tradition you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. What are the first principles of the oracle of God? Uh, salvation by faith in Jesus Christ and his position as our, our, our great high priest, greater than Melchizedek, the king of Salem, and greater than any priest from the Aaronic priesthood. That was the first oracle, the principles of Jesus Christ, of God, right? that we've received forgiveness through the eternal high priest, Jesus Christ, who represents us. Verse 13, For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. Everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. I have seen children, uh, because I, I did, you know, I've done... I've been to countries where there is poverty. Reverend Abraham, we're all familiar with him. He's the minister that's in India, whom we have that this church has helped. Uh, I once received a picture from him of a child, and this child was um, looked like the child was three or four years old. When in reality, the child was like 18 or 19, I think 18 or 19 years of age. Um, Why? Because they lacked nutrition, right? Physical nutrition for their bodies to grow. They lacked nutrition and they were stunted in in their growth. And when we get stunted in our growth, just like that child who appeared to be three or four because they weren't partaking of the proper nutrition, we get stunted spiritually and stay babes because we do not partake of meat. We're just on milk. We don't go into the meat, Oh, we only hear the milk, but don't go on to meat uh, to eat things that gives us substance, growth, to make us grow, to become mature. We we don't we don't dive into the Word of God, uh, as we ought to. So for everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the Word of righteousness, for he's a babe. In other words, they've stayed babies because they lack the the nutrition of going further into the Word of God. And, you know, what brings us uh, growth through the Word of God is the Word itself, but also it's the Holy Spirit who opens our ears to understand the Word of God, right? So we ask when, and I've read the Bible, especially when I was younger. I used to read the Bible and just like, God, help me because this, this, uh, this is hard for me to understand. And as I pray this, God just be, slowly begins to open up and bring me understanding of the scriptures. But that's how we uh, overcome being babes in Christ, is really feasting on the meat of the word of God, not just the first principles. Um, But solid food belongs to those who are full of age. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercise to discern both good and evil. Now, this is interesting. Solid food allows a believer to discern what is good and evil and not easily misled by wolves seeking, seeking who they may devour or destroy. That's really very important for every Christian to really digest God's word so we can have the discernment of what is right and what is wrong if i have listened especially to televangelists and and what's coming out of their mouths sends shivers through me because it's not truth you know my 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 the the, the spirit of god within me cries out like change it that's a bunch of nonsense and you receive uh, this discernment when we partake of, of the word of God because now the truth is in us and we're able to see untruth when it's presented to us. You're able to spot whenever you go into the church this church is preaching truth or this church is just preaching a, a psychology message on how to feel good about yourself. God is not into psychology. God is into changing you through spiritual methods which ultimately changes your emotions and your mind. You become like Christ. He is the true healer, Jesus Christ. He heals us completely. Mind, body, and spirit. So with that, I'm going to close. I'm going to offer, before I close in prayer, I'm going to offer, praise and worship team can come forward to close this. Uh, I'm going to offer, anyone that doesn't know Christ, if there's anyone in here that doesn't know Christ, Uh, Come and see myself, um, Elder Steve, uh, Elder Felipe, anyone, anyone. We can lead you in, in a word of prayer so that you can make that decision to follow Christ and to have him live in you and have your life be transformed, changed, and a new life. But I think the important lesson for us today in this word of God is New life does not always mean everything is going to be perfect. In fact, a lot of times it brings more conflict, but you are strengthened, you are conformed, you are changed, you are transformed. I can almost understand now why James said, I count it all joy. When I first read that, I thought, man, you're crazy. Why, Why will you count it all joy when you're suffering? Because it's bringing you to a place of being like Jesus. So with that, I'll close. Father, I just pray that everyone here Um, be blessed by your words spoken today be blessed today at the potluck by the fellowship, by the food Uh, in Jesus name I just pray blessings upon everyone in Jesus name I pray Amen